They've got it now. Excellent. If you could swap over to the Mac, that would be lovely. Thanks. Malcolm, Wendy, if you didn't get it, sorry, you missed out. What just happened, now this is going to sound a bit strange, is Malcolm and Wendy have been away. We've been praying for them while they've been um, uh, in Chiang Mai, and now they have reported back to us, and you think, why on earth are you pointing out that? It's a fair question. It's just that we're going to be looking at the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel. So if you've got a Bible handy or a smartphone or that kind of stuff, feel free to pull it out and have a look. And if, if you're noticing, Daniel's a really strange book. It has all these twists and turns. And in fact, chapter 4 is written in Aramaic, which is really unusual for the Old Testament. And there's, there's something funny going on. The leader has been out of play and this is a letter written by the king, not written by Daniel, by the king sent out to all over his empire to tell him what happened. So in some ways, there's some mirroring between Malcolm and Wendy. They haven't spent the last um, period of time being crazy, <laughs> I hope. Um, but there's a little bit of mirroring going on. And it's been, it does happen. Um, uh, Jacinda Ardern had a baby. So she stepped out of... What's that? <laughs> Sorry, embarrassing moment. Um, uh, um, she stepped out of being the leader for a little while. And Winston with, um, filled the gap with glee and a lot more restraint than I expected. Um, and then she's back. And so she'll do a little speech to talk about it. But that's probably not... Uh, who here has watched the Queen's speech once in their life? Yep, a few hands... A number of people yawning or thinking, what's the story? Every year at Christmas time, the Queen gives a speech. She lets us know some thoughts about how the last year has been. And actually, she's reminding us that she is nominally in charge of the British Empire. Just imagine for a moment if this Christmas there was no speech from the Queen and we heard nothing of the Queen for the next seven years. Never saw her at Buckingham Palace, no speeches. What would you think? Oh, absolutely. The conspiracy theories would be everything. Has she been kidnapped by aliens? Is she dead? Is she working at a petrol station in Ekatahuna pumping gas with Elvis? Anything could be the place. And then if after seven years the Queen reappeared and gave another Queen's speech at Christmas time, we'd all want to know what happened, wouldn't we? We'd be itching for it. And this is the letter that starts... In Daniel chapter 4, it is King Nebuchadnezzar sending out a letter to everyone in the empire, and it's a really big empire. This is the, um, this is the empire here. It's absolutely massive for its day. It is famous. Um, remember last week when I spoke about King Nebuchadnezzar, I called him King Ego and stole this um, image of Silas Ramsbottom from the <laughs> Dominions 2. Yes, Ramsbottom. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it is, a, and, and I'm going to keep calling him King Ego because it does seem to be how he's marked. But his empire is famous for huge buildings and cities. It's kind of like Paris, New York, London, and Beijing combined. It is the place to be. People traveled to go and see the Babylonian Hanging Gardens, one of the wonders of the world. And actually, when this empire collapses, when Alexander the Great, there's a name you know, when he invades, um, he actually tries to rebuild some of the things that had been there because he wants to get to that measure of greatness. And just to get a sense of how great he was, um, in those days, 
they would stamp on the bricks that they built things on this. I don't, you can't really see it, but they would stamp his name and details, King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, one archaeologist commented that in all of the towns and cities in the neighborhood of Baghdad, he only ever found bricks with the legend of Nebuchadnezzar, son of, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his father's name um, because it's beyond me. So he's really famous and his footprint is massive. So, and he's ruling a massive empire and I'm going to continue to call him King Ego. And this is the story of King Ego getting stumped. Okay, I'll make it relatively quick. I'm not going to read it all to you. I'm going to tell you the story. But here's how the letter, the scroll that's sent to everyone starts. It starts off, To the nations and peoples of every land who live in the earth, may you prosper greatly. And remember, King Ego wants everything to be about him. And so that's what he says. It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. No ego in that at all. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion ensures from generation to generation. He's pretty obsessed with himself, but he is really rich and powerful. He is more powerful than Xing Jinping, chairman of China. He is richer than Trump. And it maybe he should be forgiven for thinking it's all about him because probably everybody around him is going to tell him that it is. He is an incredibly powerful leader. And he writes in Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Now, just pause for a moment. The phrases contented and prosperous. That's kind of the Western dream, isn't it? What kind of life do we want to live? Well, we want to be contented and prosperous. To have all the toys to be, and to be happy. Okay, so he had it all, our Western dream. And despite that, he says, well, I had a dream and it made me afraid. So he's tormented by reoccurring thoughts and by a dream. As I was lying in bed, the visions and images that passed through my mind terrified me. He is disturbed by it. And in a way that echoes Daniel chapter 2, he calls for the wise men to come and interpret the dream. And in the letter, there's more of that pompous language because he doesn't just call for the wise men. He calls for the magicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, diviners, and the whole shebang. Because remember, that's kind of how he is. And then they haven't a clue, or if they have a clue, they're scared to say it. And so then he calls Daniel. Although he likes to call Daniel Belteshar because there's this subplot about renaming the guy. Okay? And he says to Daniel, mate, I know you've got this thing going with the Spirit of God. Can you translate my dream for me? And he tells the dream to Daniel. Then Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. King has called him, translate the dream. And we don't know how long a time was. I like that he was puzzled for a time because sometimes when you read the Bible, it's like you, you know, turn the page and it's solved. And actually, I spend quite a lot of my life puzzled. So I quite like that. But Daniel has a problem. His interpretation of the dream is not so flash for King Ego. And what happens when you say bad things to a king? Well, actually, let's rephrase that because most, a lot of people are working in the world, working for someone who has a lot of ego. What happens when you say bad things to a person with an active ego? It doesn't go so well, does it? Now, actually, I have a, an early memory of a, a guy I worked with who'd bought himself a new BMW, which he reckoned could never be towed. 
And we were on the 28th floor of the ASB building, and we looked down, and he hadn't paid for his parking. <laughs> and they were towing his BMW, the BMW that couldn't be towed. And I just, I've never seen someone react in this way before. The ego just kind of went off, out. And he was uh, rude and trying to power through things until he actually had to go to the tow place. Man, those cases are intimidating. Okay. So the king can see this, and the king says to him, don't let the dream or its meaning alarm you, and Daniel thinks you're right. And then Daniel replies, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, which is a really interesting response. Remember, Daniel has been kidnapped as a child into this other country. He's had to learn another language. He's had to serve at the whims of a person marked by ego all the way through here. And really, this bad dream, surely some of Daniel is going, ha, 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 king, you're going to get your comeuppance. But he speaks with empathy for the leader. He speaks with empathy and compassion and says, I wish this was good news for you. Now, I'm going to roughly tell you the dream and Daniel's interpretation. Follow along in your Bibles. Daniel says, well, listen, you saw a tree which grew large with its top touching the sky, full of leaves and abundant fruit and providing food for all, shelter for all the wild animals. And your majesty, you are that tree. You are great and strong. And your greatness has grown till it reaches the sky. And then your majesty saw a holy one. Now, forgive the picture Literally, this is a watcher. Okay, um, that we translate it as angel, but in the Hebrew, that uh, that is one who watches. Your Majesty saw one who watches coming down from heaven and saying, "Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew. You will be driven away from the people. You will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox." Or well, that's. Grass is another flexible term there. Um, and seven times will pass for you. Oh, I've got the seven times, I think. Or have they already passed? Mind of an animal. Sleep under the stars. And we've got seven times appearing. Oh, there's one. Okay. Seven times will pass until you acknowledge the most high is sovereign over the kings of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And there are the times passing. This is the dream. And then Daniel says, Hey, king. You are the tree. This is going to happen to you. And therefore, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And it may be your prosperity will continue. Little sidebar here. We're probably Christians. We're used to saying renounce your sins. But that other theme in the Bible that keeps coming out about the oppressed and the marginalized, this comment don't just renounce your sins, but your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. Constantly there's this theme for, what about the outsider? And the letter stops, and we're not even told how the king responds at this pause. What we're told is that a year passes. And then, 12 months later, as the king is walking upon the roof of the royal palace, and he says, is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Because he thinks it's all about him. What is said happens. And he's driven away from the people. He ends up eating grass like an ox. His body is drenched with the dew of heaven, which means that he sleeps outside. Sorry. 
And it says his hair ends up growing like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. He is reduced to the stump. And what follows is seven years of debilitating mental illness and incapacity. He's not functioning. There's still a huge empire. I imagine they're trying to keep things quiet. I don't know what they'd do. Remember, this is a letter that he wrote. So then it follows, and he says, At the end of that time in his letter, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Lord Most High. I honoured and glorified him who lives together forever. Can you see he's still making it all about him? Um, some Christian writers like to say, how wonderful is this? He's come, the king has come to the point where he has just so taken with God that I still think there's an awful lot of ego in this man. I, I actually don't see that. And I think, man, what a tricky thing to be a leader and to be taken out of play for seven years and then have to come back and try and run it again. Okay, and so he writes and says... At the same time my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me to the glory of my kingdom. My advisers and nobles sought me out and I was restored to the throne and became even greater than before. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And all those who, who walk in pride he is able to humble. So for me, I read this and think, how interesting. This is a letter to say, settle down guys, I'm back. I'm in power. But if you were listening to this and you were a Jew, you'd be going, you'd be reading between the lines of this, and you'd be going, man, the mighty was brought down. God is still in charge. So what has this got to say to us? I want to keep this short because we were hearing from Malcolm and uh, Wendy. Well, for those who are in charge and on top, there is always a chainsaw coming. We are not out, no matter how great we are in comparison to God, we're not going to stay great all the time. It may just be age that robs from us, but other things come. So there's a place for maybe not being too impressed. I've talked, last week I talked about trying to ride shotgun on our egos. Yeah, our egos are not our friends in this. They make it all about us. For those of us who find ourselves in a position where you have to speak to someone in power and you can see the chainsaw, I, this one's really tough. When you see someone in power acting badly, you get angry about it. And we want to see them get their comeuppance. You know, when someone, does, when someone cuts you off at the lights, how tempted are you? You want to see, if you see them pulled over by a traffic cop, how many of us are going to go, yes? It is fundamental to us. We want the guys, we want the balance to be adjusted. Those who do bad to us, we want them to get their comeuppance. And so if you're Daniel and you're speaking to power and it's your chance and you've got this dream, how many of us are just itching to go, ha ha, King Ego, you're getting yours? And actually, sometimes I think in church we do this. We are so strident about the truth. And what we have lost is this sense of empathy. The sense of connection with the other person. I wish this wasn't true for you. Because we genuinely want the best, even for the enemy. 
And I think that's really difficult for us. I think that we have to somehow process our own emotion to do that. And that is a tricky road. So I want to acknowledge, I think that's what we're called to. I think Daniel does this. It's really significant for me that the king has to call Daniel from where he ever is to come and say, could you explain this? It's not because Daniel's been knocking on his door and saying, you egomaniac, you're not doing all this right. He waits until there's opportunity to be asked and then he speaks with empathy. And I, I admire that, but do want to confess I think that's really tough. And then there's one aspect, one last aspect here. What about when you're stumped? See, this story involves mental illness or incapacity. And that happens. Now, if you're feeling nervous at this stage, fair enough, I'm feeling nervous at this stage. I want to acknowledge that the best and brightest get taken down. I want to acknowledge that I know um, a bunch of people who I think are heroes who've ended up having to take antidepressants and journey their way out of that. I want to acknowledge that in my life there have been times when I have been stumped, when I have run out and had no answers and found that my tanks are empty. It happens. We see it happen to older people some of our older people end up with dementia or Alzheimer's and it's stripped away. We see it happen to younger people too. And to middle, I don't think age is a thing. All our mental well-being can be stripped away as happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And how nice for him it was only seven years, but man, seven years is a long time. A long time to not have your wits about you. Machines break down, and so too sometimes do people. And I'm mentioning it because it's in our world. Not because I have an answer. Other than that, the good news is that we are not loved because of what we do, because how effective we are. We are not loved because our acts are together. We are not loved because of what we do. We are loved because of this is who God is, loving. That's what you see reflected in Daniel speaking to the king. I wish this wasn't true for you, even though you are pretty much my enemy. And for this, in this place, there is a place for us to remember that one day all of us will die, we will effectively be stumped. But the love of God reaches further than that. And that applies to when we are stumped in this life and when it is the ending of life that stumps us. So I didn't really want to... I wish that this was something where you could just wave a wand and God would go zap. You know, I wish that. And I'll bet Nebuchadnezzar really wished it. But sometimes we live through stuff that is difficult and unsolvable. And above this, throughout the story of Daniel, is this sense of God is in charge of this. 
So my two cents worth in this are to say, if you're in charge, maybe have some friends who like Daniel who can help you keep your ego in check. Actually, that's really valuable. If you're in a task where you're serving someone with a strong ego, do tread carefully as Daniel does. <laughs> keep trying to process your own emotions so when the opportunity to speak truth to power comes, you can speak truth with love. Because when we speak truth with hate, we get treated appropriately. It comes back on us. And it's not who our God is. And when all is stripped away from us, hold on as best as you can to a God whose love, nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing can separate us. And that God still will make something good, even from things that are awful. On that point, I'll pray, and if I can have the team, we've got a song to close with, yes? Yep, cool. Uh, God, you know each of us, when we're in power, when we're not, when we have it stripped away, and your character was that when you had power, you were willing to lay it aside for the sake of others. Work that through us. When we're suffering and pain and want it to end, we ask you to be very close to us. When we are struggling, place around us friends who can help connect us, rescue us from our egos and our false selves. Lead us to your feet that we may live this life well. Amen. Thanks.